Um, my name's Tracy, and I started coming to Crossroads, let's see, probably 15, 16 years ago, and got baptized by Rod, and was going to church every Sunday, and everything was great, and then kind of fell away, um, just lost the habit, or whatever you want to call it, and about five years ago, five years ago, came back. A lot of things had changed in my life, got divorced, was with somebody new, have a new child, and my daughters um, had come to the, the youth groups, the, the youth ministries, and encouraged me to come to Wednesday night small group. And so came came with them and said, you know what, I need to go back, I need to be, I'm missing something. Something's just not right, I'm missing something. So. Came back to church, was welcomed with open arms, was staying at home. So somebody invited me to come to the women's group Wednesday mornings. So so I did. And the I'd never been in a small group before. And the small group, it was quaint, six, eight, six, eight women. And we were all in all different walks of our life with Jesus. And and even though I grew up in the church, I did not know church, did not know scripture. I knew, you know, you asked me about Noah, and I couldn't tell you too much, and you know, but knew the names. But so coming to the small group, we started diving into the Bible more and learning more, and no questions were looked down upon. I could I could voice my questions without being looking like, what is wrong with you? Don't you know that? And there were there were people in all stages of their walk with with the Lord. And, um, within all these studies. You, you have your sermons on Sunday, but these studies dive more, and they're more intimate, and you can ask questions, you can learn more, you, you learn why you need to walk with Jesus, why you need quiet time, more about how to be a good Christian. Then sermons can tell you some, but these more, and um, it got to the point where I would ask my small group leader and some others, ask Rod, I'd have all these other questions, and I'd just email them off, and they'd answer them back to me. But it encouraged me to want to get to know God more, to want to walk in the right path. And it wasn't until I had the encouragement from these small groups to do it that I actually got closer to God. One thing that I've always struggled with is anxiety. And, you know, there was a lot of financial trouble and just wondering what I was staying at home and um, just bills weren't always getting paid and just always worried about this and that. And, and all of a sudden, one day, you know, try, I was do, trying to do what I was supposed to do. I was having my small time with, with God, like I, like everybody's been telling me, and, and having my quiet time. And, and so I'm doing my daily prayer, and all of a sudden, I just got this warmth over me. And um, I had prayed, saying, please take this. God, you, you don't want me to worry. You won't, Please take my burdens from me. And I could just feel the warmth come over me and feel it lifted. And yes, I still worry, but nothing like I used to. And it's just amazing knowing that, that he loves you and he'll do that for you. And it's just, if I hadn't gone back in the small groups, I don't think I would have stayed with the church. But the, that's, those small groups are what pulled me in and have connected me a lot closer to God. And without those, I, I would be lost. Well, good morning. It is awesome to be with you guys today. We're studying what it means to be a family. And I am so glad Tracy Smith is a part of our church family. 
known Tracy a long time, and if in her story you probably heard that she was a part of our church and then drifted away and she came back. And the reason I wanted to videotape her story is she said, when I first came, I was not a part of a small group and I fell out of church. She said, but when I got back the second time, I decided I'm going to try this small group thing. And she said, and it has been a radically different experience for me. And so today we're going to continue talking about what it means and what it looks like to be a family, a church family, that you and I are the church and that you and I are family. In fact, at this church, we use the term membership and, and membership sort of a passage uh, term now. Um, in the, but we believe it's a great term for what it means to be uh, the church because membership is actually a New Testament term and it's a New Testament concept that we are members of a family together. Now, membership today can look a lot like a lot of different things. Uh, you and I become members of a gym or you become members of a rewards program, right? And we, and we sign up for these things and then we take the extra time to do that because we know we're going to get benefits rewards, promotions, deals when we sign up for this stuff. And that's a good thing. And, but very few of us sign up for things just because uh, we, we have an affinity for that company or we, we just love that product so much. Unless your name is Abby Epling, our children's director, who is absolutely in love with Chick-fil-A. Like if she goes three days without Chick-fil-A, she starts shaking. I don't know how she gets through Sundays. But she loves, loves Chick-fil-A, she would sign up for it just because. But the rest of us sign up because there's a reward or a benefit to being a member. We're going to talk about what it means to be a member today in God's family. And listen, it has benefits, but it also has responsibilities. And so we're going to, we're going to try to reshape our thinking about what it means to be a member of God's family that has both of those things. Let me tell you something, we, we just worship together, and I love coming together and worshiping together, and I know we do that, but my question is, beyond worshiping together, my question this morning is, do we belong to one another? Do we belong to one another as a family? Can I tell you that I've been in multiple churches over my lifetime, and there's churches where I felt like I was a part of the family there, and there were other churches where I just didn't feel like I connected or fit in and felt like a part of the family there. And as I look back over my experiences in those churches, I realized the single greatest factor, whether I was a member and felt like a part of the family there or not, was me. It was me. Was I open to new relationships or was I closed? Was I actively involved or was I passive? Was I seeking to connect beyond the Sunday morning worship or was I not? So this morning, we're going to look at what does it mean to belong together. We've looked at what, that we're better together, that we believe together last week. Today, we're going to look like what it looks like to belong together. You ready for this? Because I want us to belong together, to be there for each other. That's what a church family does. So first of all, what that means is that we hang out together. We hang out together. Look at what the Scripture says in Psalm 133. How good. And pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. God says, listen, it's awesome when you hang out together, when you live together. Now, I'm not suggesting that we all get a compound together. We're not talking about a commune here, thank God. Uh, you don't want that and I don't want that. But the other translations, sometimes it's translated that they dwell together. How good and pleasant it is when God's people dwell together. And the concept is this, that we're just near one another. We hang out. And some of you might be thinking, 
I don't want to hang out around these church people. <laughs> That'd be weird. <laughs> and there's probably a reason you're thinking that way. And if you're thinking that way, you got to ask yourself why. Why would we say, Man, I don't want to hang around church people? It may be simply this, that you think you have to act a certain way to be a part of this family. Can I tell you something? Let's, let's just make a deal. Can we make a deal here at Crossroads that you can be you and I can be me? That you and I can just be who God created us to be and that you and I won't be okay all the time, that it's okay to not be okay, and that you and I don't have to be perfect all the time, that you and I can simply love one another and stick together and be for each other in our best moments and in our worst moments. That we can just be people who get along imperfect. And when we start hanging around each other, we'll realize you're a little quirky. I'm a little quirky. We're all a little quirky. We're going to realize, man, he, he doesn't have it all together. Pastor Rod doesn't have it all together. And that is okay. In fact, that's good. Because our motto here at this church is no perfect people what? Allowed. That means, listen, any, we, we don't have it all together. And if you think it all, you have it all together, I'd hate to have to kick you out for that. Not really. I think we shy away from Christian community because we think we have to be something that we're not. Can I tell you that in this family, it's okay to not be okay. And when we embrace each other and belong to each other, it, 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 becomes a, it goes from being a burden to a blessing. Because we're just free to be ourselves and to love each other the way God intended us to do so. You know the rest of this psalm, Psalm 133, it says how good and pleasant it is when, when God's people live together in unity. And then it goes on to describe it as oil being poured down our head. Now that's weird, right? That doesn't sound pleasant. Anybody, any takers? Want some oil running down your head? But in that day, what that meant, it was a symbol of blessing. It was a symbol of purity. And he says, listen, when you and I get together and hang in unity, it has this purifying effect. It was oil used in worship of God. And that when you and I work at being together as a family, it does something in us and makes us more like Jesus and purifies our life. And then he describes it as the mountain dew, dew on the mountain. And, and what that symbolizes is being refreshed and nourished by one another. I could parade, uh, Tracy just did it, but we could parade person after person up here and say, listen, man, when I hang out with my church friends, it is nourishing and it is refreshing. Can I tell you that's what it is for me? And it's so good to be with God's people. If you don't have that, can I tell you, uh, I get it because I remember when I don't have that. I knew I was missing something, just like Tracy said. And I realized I needed it. I'm going to read you a quote from a book I, I read last year. It's called, When the Church Was a Family. When the Church Was a Family. Listen to what it says. Spiritual formation occurs primarily in the context of community. People who remain connected with their brothers and sisters in the local church almost inevitably grow in self-understanding and they mature in their ability to relate in healthy ways to God and to their fellow human beings. This is especially the case for those courageous Christians who stick it out through the often messy process of interpersonal discord and conflict resolution. Long-term personal relationships are the crucible of genuine progress in the Christian life. 
People who stay always grow. People who leave do not grow. Can I tell you something? What that's saying is we need each other to grow. You help me. I help you. We help each other to grow. Because guess what happens? When we start rubbing shoulders with each other, we start recognizing things in ourselves that need to change. We need, and it's good. Can I, can I just challenge us as a church to resist the temptation to stay in the realm of pleasantries? Pleasantries says hi going down the hall, but it doesn't get involved in other people's lives. Being pleasantries means you're friendly, but you're not a friend to someone. Pleasantries will give you the sense of belonging when you're actually missing out on belonging. That's what pleasantries will do. Can I ask you something? If you stop coming here, if you've been here a while, if you stop coming, who would notice? Would there be a void in someone else's life? You know, I, I hear people, and they come to our church. I'm sure they've left our church and said, you know, I left another church, and no one called me, and no one checked up on me, and, and, uh, and you know, and she, they just feel bad about that, like it was the church's fault. And sometimes I just wonder, were they relationally engaged in that church? And if they weren't, maybe it wasn't all the church's fault. Can I tell you something? In this family, we want you here. This isn't a closed family. This is an open family. We want you to belong with us. And so one of the best ways we do that, probably the best way, is we have these small groups. Tracy talked about them. And it's where you can belong. It's where people know your name. And they know if you're there and they know if you're not there. They know if you're struggling or if you're not struggling. And they're there to pray with you and encourage you and equip you to walk with God. It's the best thing we do at Crossroads is have these small groups. Where life on life, we become more and more like Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. And so we hang out together in small groups. Secondly, if we're going to be a church that really belongs to one another, then we love each other. We learn to love each other. Listen to this passage, 1 John 4. It says, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever loves does not... I'm sorry, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, love, anyone who loves God must love their brother and sister. So this means we move beyond coming to a church building into actually connecting with God's people, the church, the family. It goes from knowing people to loving people. And listen, it's easy to separate. I, I do it all the time in my own heart. It's easy to separate loving God from loving others. And we make those two separate things. When God is saying, listen, if you're going to love me, you've got to, by necessity, by default, love one another. And here's how I think this works. In Romans 5, 8, it says, while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated his love by dying on the cross on our behalf. We had did nothing in order to start a relationship with God. And yes, he, and yet he intervened and he made a way. And his son Jesus came to this earth and he, he bore the weight of your sin and your shame. And he took that to a cross and he paid it in full, showing how much he loves you. And then it says, because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. 
And because we're so rich in his love and so satisfied in his love, and you couldn't take one more drop of love because you're so full of the love of God and the forgiveness and the acceptance he's given you, that you naturally love him back for all that love, the love that he's shown you. And because you are so full of love, you naturally give it to those around you. Your brothers and sisters sitting in this room. But we're warned in this passage to not separate those two, to not, to not try to love God but not really work at loving each other. It's, it's sort of like the analogy I thought of is pick your favorite sports team. I pick the Falcons. Not that they're my favorite. But you can't love the Falcons and hate every player on the team. You can't. You can't love the team and hate the players. And when God says, listen, in my family, you've got to love me and you've got to love one another. So let's get really practical about what it means to love each other. I made a list, a practical list, and these are, just to be clear, these are my least favorite definitions of what it means to love because they are most convicting to me. And here we go. Number one, that love is not an emotion, it is a choice. That you and I always can respond, you and I can always feel, you, got, you and I can always act in love towards other because it's a choice. Secondly, love is willingly embracing the right to be interrupted. Don't you hate that? Like it's, it's a privilege to be interrupted by you, to take you off my game plan for the day, to stop doing what I'm doing so I can serve you. If we genuinely love each other, then it's the willingness to be interrupted for another. Number three, it's putting others' needs ahead of your own. That it's not what do I need today and what do I want and what am I going to get, but it's what do you need and what do you need that, and what can I give to you. Love is believing the best about others, not assuming motives, not assuming you know what they're thinking, not assuming you know their story, but assuming the best about other people. That's part of love. And then most recently, the one I had to add to this list is I felt like God was telling me this summer that you can't judge people and love them at the same time. You can't do it. And so to practically love one another in a church family means all that and more if we're going to love like God intends for us to love. Can I tell you, I have a lot to learn about love. Don't you? I mean, this is a lifelong pursuit where you and I get to practice this over and over again in our families, in our homes, in our family here at church, and the people you work with and the people you run across every day. But look, it's easy to say, I love you, and not have to act on it. But when we get around each other and we say, I love you in my church family, and then we start annoying each other, you need to laugh there because that happens. When we start annoying each other, and we have to choose. But I still love you. I still want to put you first. I still want to meet your needs. I'm still going to choose to act in love and kindness to you, even when it's difficult. In fact, the scripture says just that in 1 John chapter 3. It says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but in actions and in truth. It's easy to say I love you. It's a whole lot harder to act and react in love towards one another. You guys remember the song by the band named Extreme, and their song was More Than Words. Remember that? Yeah, you did. 
I wrote down the lyrics. I'm not going to sing them. You're welcome. I know, I know, I know. Saying I love you is not the words I want to hear from you. It's not that I want you not to say it, but if you only knew how easy it would be to show me how you feel. Y'all want to sing along with this part? More than words. There you go. (laughs) Is all you have to do to make it real. That's what he's saying in the passage. These guys got it right in that song. It's, it's more than what we say. It's how we behave towards each other that really makes love real. And can I tell you, we have some very loving people in our church. We have people that sacrifice for one another. And being around you guys makes me want to love others like you. So in a family... Are we going to put each other ahead of ourselves? Are we going to choose to love? Are we going to to be willingly interrupted for one another? Can I tell you, that's what God wants for us because that's how you behave in his family. And we're his family. Number three, not only do we hang out together and love each other, we've got to stick together. We've got to stick together. Look what the scripture says. This is John 17. Jesus is speaking. He says, I will, remain, I will remain in the world no longer. This is the night before he leaves. But they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. He's speaking to his Father. Holy Father, protect them by your power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Now listen, the night Jesus is arrested, he's praying to the Father, and it blows my mind, but when he's about to be arrested and tortured and put to death, that very night, he's thinking about you and me, and he's praying for you and me, and what is on his heart, he's like, God, I just want them to be one, like you and I are one, and that sounds incredible, and that sounds impossible, but listen, Jesus would not have prayed it if it wasn't possible. And it is possible for you and I to function like a family, to be there for one another, and for us to be one, like Jesus and the Father are one. Hallelujah. That's an incredible thought. We can be brothers and sisters. We can be a family. Maybe you've experienced that before, but maybe you've never experienced a healthy, genuine, godly family. You can experience it here. We can do that together. I do think we're losing the value in our society where we stick together. I don't know if you've noticed this, but like in employers, employee relationships, you ever notice that 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 seems to be waning, that the loyalty there isn't what it used to be? My, my, the previous generation, my dad and, and Gabriel's dad, uh, both of our fathers worked for the same company for over 30 years. Same place. Does that blow your mind? That's unheard of today. It's unheard of. And I, listen, from both sides, the loyalty seems to be eroding underneath us in that realm. When it comes to marriage, God said, listen, and the two will become one flesh. And my intention is that you would be one for the rest of your lives. And listen, I understand that God says stick together, but a lot of us have experienced the pain and the hurt of that not happening. And if you've felt that, then you know the value and the importance of family. How important it is. 
how meaningful it is when we stick together as a church family. It's one of the reasons I like being around the Reed family. You guys know Reggie and Maria Reed? Second service, they sit right back there almost every week. And they're in one of my small groups. And I love being around them because they've been married for over 40 years. And I have a lot to learn about love from them. And their, their walk with their, I mean their, their kids' lives, their grown kids, but there's still times they have to take care of their kids and, and, and be there for their kids. And, and it's not easy, but it's amazing to watch how they love their kids and show grace and, and put them uh, ahead of their own needs. And it's not always easy between the two of them because their health situations pop up and they have to be, you know, just take care of one another. And it's beautiful to watch them love one another like God intended. I call them sticky. They stick together. Guys, in, our, in the family of God, we're, we're called to be sticky. That we'll stick to each other. We'll stick together. In this forever family, even when it gets difficult, even when there's conflict, even when you don't agree with someone, even when it's inconvenient, even when you, you know, it's just hard that God says, listen, if you're called to be the family, then you learn how to work through things and love each other and stick together despite of the difficulties. And that's what God has called the family of God to be. In fact, I don't know if you realize that or not, but God has brought you here on purpose. God has arranged this group right here in the second service. We're one family. We're, we're one body. And I'm going to read you a passage that describes that. Listen to this. It says, but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, you, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. It is no accident that you're here. You're a part of this body, and the analogy is that Jesus is the head, and that we make up the rest of the body, and that you and I belong to each other, and you may be a shoulder, and the person next to you may be the arm. And those parts should not be separated easily, because it's painful. God says, listen, you're here because I wanted you here. You're here because I've arranged you here. I have purpose for you being here. There's people that need you, and you need the church. I was talking to somebody yesterday at the gym, and they've been a part of a church before, and they said, listen, I read my Bible every day, and I, and my, and I go to a small group, and my wife and I are faithful to the Lord, but we're just not connected to the local church. And I said, listen, you need the church, and the church needs you. Because there's a part missing. When you're not here, there's a part missing. Jesus has got you here for purpose and for meaning. So let's stick together. You're like, Pastor, you don't have a choice. You've got to be here. <laughs> True. But I love being sticky with you guys. I love it. I'm going to read you a quote. It's very familiar. Uh, on the day before Martin Luther King Day, I want to read this. It's from his famous speech. He says, I have a dream. I want you to listen to this in the context of the church. And he said this, I have a dream that one day the Red Hills of Georgia, sons of sl former slaves and sons of former slave owners, will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day, even in the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream 
that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day in Alabama, with its vicious racists, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right here in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and little white girls as sisters and brothers. Dr. Martin Luther King's dream is just a simple version of God's dream. That we, as brothers and sisters in humanity, might not have barriers that divide us, but we genuinely love each other. And how much more so through the unification of Jesus Christ, that you and I in the church and in the family of God, that we would let nothing get between us, that we would love one another. Can I tell you, that is God's dream for this church. That is God's dream for every church. That we would be one, he prayed it, that we would be one as he and the Father are one. As we wrap up this morning, I want to challenge you. If you've never tried being a part of a small group here at at Crossroads, can can I just challenge you to consider that? Can I just challenge you to take a step towards that today and say, listen, I I don't know anybody here. I'm trying to get to know people, and I need a place to connect. If you check that that box on your card today, I will personally call you this week and try to help you find the right small group for you to fit in. Maybe the step you need to take towards being sticky and being a part of our church is that you decide, listen, I want to be a part of this family and join our membership and be a part officially of what God is doing here in this church. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that. But before we pray, I want you to realize, I'm going to challenge some of you to join the family of God for the very first time. Because joining the family of God ultimately begins by faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to 1 John I'm I'm sorry, John chapter 1 verse 12 says, um, to all who receive him, Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, that God's family is an open family, and he's inviting all those who are outside the family of God, who don't know Christ by faith, to enter into this family by faith, trusting in Jesus Christ, that his payment on the sin counted for you too that you might be forgiven of sin, accepted by your heavenly Father, and brought into the family, finally and forever, a part of the family of God. And so Jesus said, to all those who receive me, have you received Christ today? Do you know him as your personal Savior, the one that you've bowed your knee to and said, you can lead my life. I want to be a part of your family. Let's pray together about that. Father in heaven, I... I'm amazed by this family that you've created. And the reality is, if it was based on our own merits to be a part of this family, no one in this room would qualify. No one on this stage would qualify. We are so far from the perfection necessary to to appease a holy, perfect, eternal, almighty, loving God that we fall so short, short just in how to love one another that we could never measure up. And yet by your grace, you've made a way. Because of your goodness, you've shown us a way through your son, Jesus. And it is not our perfection that will count, but by faith, it can be his perfection that will count. So if you're here today and you've never entered into the family of God, 
Today can be your day. Your heavenly Father is calling you into his family. He says, I want you to belong. I want you to know me. I want you to know what it feels like to be accepted and forgiven eternally by me. Well, how do you do that? Simply admit that you need the Lord's forgiveness. That you have a debt before a holy God and it needs to be paid. And that you cannot pay it yourself. And then realize that this is exactly why Jesus Christ came. That he came to pay your debt and my debt. And that by placing our faith in what he's already done upon a cross. And he paid for our sin. And then rose from the dead. There's an empty tomb declaring that the payment was sufficient. That God has received Jesus' payment on your behalf. And then lastly, confess Christ as your Savior today. Don't let another day go by. Just say, Jesus, I want to receive you. I believe you died on the cross for me. You tell them that. Jesus, come into my life. I want to know you and your forgiveness. I want, I want Jesus to lead my life from this day forward. Thank you, my Heavenly Father, for ushering me into your family. God, thank you for forgiving me of my sin. God, thank you for for eternally holding on to me and giving me life. And God, I pray for our church. The church isn't this building or this service. It's the people that are gathered here. God, I pray for each one of us. God, that we would love each other like you've loved us. Like, like we'd be one, like you and the Father are one. God, that we would truly be the church that you created it to be. It would be unlike anything else we've ever experienced because genuine love happens here. And it's only by your grace that that's possible. But it is possible. And we ask for it now. In Jesus' name, amen.